I'm Julie Martella, and this is my podcast, Navigating Widowhood. I'm a home strategist, coach, and passionate researcher. I've dedicated countless hours each week to diving into the most up-to-date research, writing, and interviewing others, always seeking out valuable insights on how we navigate this unique journey. And when I find something amazing, you're the first to know. That, my friends, is how I flatten the curve for you. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, friends and navigators. Welcome back. And I'm so glad that you're here. Today, I want to talk about organizing again. And I want to discuss, so the title of the episode and the discussion question will be one and the same. And that is, Why do I feel overwhelmed when I try and organize my loved one's things? So the things that you are trying to organize, why do you feel overwhelmed? And and by the way, you need to know, this is the number one question I get from widowed people. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't even know where to begin. I'm already overwhelmed. So this is a this is perfectly normal. This is a regular part of the grief process. Um, and there's a reason. There's a reason why you feel overwhelmed when you consider organizing. So there things could be their their possessions could be things that are big or small. Something as small as a medicine cabinet, or something like a man cave, or in my situation, I had a barn and I had a shop. It could be a sewing room or a craft room, a closet, a shoe collection, uh, a wood shop, or for some people, the entire house. No matter the size of the project, the feelings can be intensely overwhelming. And, And you guys should know that. It doesn't matter if it's a chest of drawers or the whole shop. The feelings can be the same. And why does this happen? So I want you to fill in the blank. When I think of organizing blank, I feel overwhelmed because I want you to fill that in. When I think of organizing something, I feel overwhelmed because and what what pops in there? Some of you may know exactly why you're feeling overwhelmed. And some of you may be genuinely puzzled and say, I don't know. I just feel overwhelmed. The simplest reason that is also 100% true, and we're going to build from this today. But the simplest reason is that your thoughts cause the feeling of overwhelm. Your thoughts cause feelings. It's a thought model problem. So when you have this circumstance of I have to organize or I have to declutter the chest of drawers and you have a thought, I can't touch her things or I can't touch his things, that thought causes the feeling of overwhelm. That's why I call it a thought model problem. But, but there's more. So I want you to know it's not that simple. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of the process. So 
The second part of that, and when we're building on it, is that your objects cause you a lot of grief because those objects function as a miniature minefield. Clothing, photographs, mementos, uh, maybe a shoes or cologne bottles or a favorite coffee cup. Any of these things can trigger an intense emotional response, which makes it harder to focus on the task at hand because you have limited bandwidth, right? So if you only have uh, a bandwidth of 10 and organizing, you're going into your organizing process and you're already at an eight and then you find your husband's favorite coffee cup and that's worth another weight of eight, well, now you're at 16, but you only have a bandwidth of 10. Bam, you're shut down. You're shut down. So it's a very valid reason. Having limited bandwidth, having heavy emotional weight, having this minefield experience is a very valid reason to be overwhelmed. Your objects, your person's objects represent their essence. They're called touchstones, and you might have seen them. Um, you might have seen them in TV shows. And what a touchstone does is the touchstone is when you touch the thing, you have a sh- super fast circuit, like a shortcut to the memory. So, for example, um, let's take the example of um, a cologne bottle. When you touch that cologne bottle. And if you smell the cologne bottle, right? Oh, because senses are so powerful. You are immediately, you might be transported to 10 different conversations or an outfit that he or she wore or an event that she went to. See, the bottle of cologne becomes a touchstone to all of these memories. And we get wrapped up in a thought error that says this. If I get rid of that bottle of cologne, then I lose the memories. Do you hear that? That's a thought error because the memories are not in the objects. The memories exist inside of us, but we get used to the objects to help us get to the memories. But there's a difference. If I take away that cologne bottle, your memory will not disappear. You just have to access it a different way. So that's a big, big reason that people get overwhelmed is that fear. If I take the object away, I'm also losing the memory. Now, there's more. I know I'm going to keep saying that the whole time. There's more. There's more. The other thing is, is that we, our lives are intertwined with our loved one, right? My husband's name was Jason. Jason and I had 20 years of an intertwined life. Um, And what that means neurobiologically is that our lives, we encoded our lives together. And uh, Mary Frances O'Connor, she's the author of the book, The Grieving Brain, talks about this. And and I'll put her name and I put the book in the show notes. So don't worry about it. We'll talk about it. So what happens is, is grief, grief is a byproduct of an intertwined life. It's the byproduct 
of having loved someone because when we love someone, then we mesh with that person, right? Like the Bible says, the two become one. They cleave together. And when they die, our brain is confused. So here's what happens. The brain has something called a predictive encoding pattern. And like I said, Mary Frances O'Connor talks about this. And so the predictive encoding pattern, we have the predictive brain and we have the reality brain, right? So we have the real world and then we have our predicted world. And what happens is when our husband or when our wife or his partner dies in the real world, we understand, oh, they died. But the problem is, is that in our predictive world, We don't understand that. And those two pieces of information are fighting with each other. We're giving the brain two conflicting, equally aggressive pieces of information. And they're like fighting with each other. So remember, the primitive brain, we've talked about this in other episodes. The primitive brain is a master predictor. That's how the brain kept us alive thousands of years ago. If you can predict what happens when you step foot outside your little cave, you stay alive. You don't get eaten by the wild animals or you don't get attacked by a passing uh, warrior tribe because your brain knows and it can predict what will happen. So it's like, oh, stay inside the, stay inside the cave, stay safe, right? So your brain makes the predictive brain, it makes these giant and complex mental maps. And the mental maps is how you do life as a married person, right? That's how it gets the predictive text. So think of, I want you to think of going to a grocery store in your hometown. If I asked you to go to the grocery store, no matter where you are in your town, you would know how to get there. Because your brain has a very efficient mental map. Well, what happens if, let's pretend there's been a massive fire and the store burned down. And so they open the store on a completely opposite side of town. Or maybe the next town over, if you live in a small town. When I tell you to go to that store... Your brain wants to keep going back to the old store because the predictive, it's the predictive side of the brain. This is how we get there. This is how I made the mental map to get there. And guess what? That's based on years of predictive memories. Like for 25 years, I've been going to the Target and it's over here on 12th Avenue. Except when you drive that old route, and you get to 12th Avenue and you get to where the Target building's supposed to be, you end up staring at an empty lot because the world changed. But your primitive brain isn't interested in what the world did. It's only interested, right, in keeping you safe. And part of keeping you safe is running that predictive pattern, running those mind maps. Learning new things, like learning the new route to the grocery store on the other side of town, takes a lot of work. Your brain has to make a whole new map on how to get there. And the primitive brain, when you're grieving, the primitive brain is fully in control and it is just not interested. 
<laughs> so your primitive brains, your primitive brains like this. It says, let's make this special hiding place called overwhelm. And I'm going to keep you here so that you don't go out and you don't make new maps of the world. You just stay inside. Because what happens when you are in overwhelm? What actions take place when you are in overwhelm? Nothing. And that's exactly what the primitive brain wants. It wants you to do nothing. So it will feed you lots of reasons not to organize or do whatever it is that you need to do. It will tell you stories like, oh, you shouldn't do that now because your favorite TV show is coming on. Or, oh, it's almost dark. It's too late in the day to start a project. Right? It'll feed you stories. It will offer you tantalizing alternatives such as uh, watching TV or drinking or shopping or scrolling or more. But it offers you these activities with a goal in mind. And that goal is to keep you away from the task of grieving. Because when you grieve... The tasks of grieving is to learn, relearn, or unlearn the differences between the world as you knew it with your loved one and the world as it is now. And the brain's like, no, too scary, too dangerous. Stay in here with me. Stay overwhelmed. Don't do anything. You'll be safe. But the problem is you are not doing the hard work of grieving, which is the tasks of grieving, the learning, the relearning, or the unlearning of your life from what it was to the real world of what it is. And I want to challenge you that your physical space is a powerful arena in which that learning can take place. I believe that organizing is a powerful tool because it helps your brain manage the dissonance between the primitive and the predictive brain. When you go through your home, you are literally touching the objects. You are touching all of the touchstones and you are saying with every single thing that you picked up, with everything that you pick up, you are saying, my person is gone. My person is gone. My person is gone. Every time you pick up a possession or an item, you are having to say, I am letting go of my loved one and I am letting go of this chapter in my life. And saying those words is very final. But saying those words and touching those things and saying goodbye is how you teach your predictive brain the new pattern. And then the predictive brain begins to understand that. And as it begins to understand that realization of, whoa, this person is actually gone. It's almost like a slap in the face. You are teaching your brain the new pattern with every decision that you make about your possessions. You are telling your brain 
The space that I shared with my loved one has changed, so the needs of this space are changing because he or she is no longer here. And that, my friends, is why you feel so overwhelmed before you ever begin your organizing project. Because the organizing isn't just about sorting out the stuff and putting it in boxes and labeling it and making decisions about it. The organizing process is about reconciling predictive world with real world, primitive brain with thinking brain, right? It's about integrating the past, present, and future. So my, so my next question to you is, how can you push through the overwhelm? Do you have any ideas? Well, I'm going to give you one idea, just one. The best way that I help clients to push through the overwhelm is to get connected with their future self. I want you to get connected to who you are in the future. And this bounces back to the integration process. Remember, past, present, future. So you might think something like, you know, I might want to have some friends over. I really miss having people over. That's a future thought. I might want to move closer to my kids. Huh. I might want to move into that community one state over or one city over, or I might, like my situation, I might want to move on to a street that has more than one living neighbor. (laughs) You know, you might want to live in a different bedroom. This is how you lean into your future, your desired future. Leaning into your desired future is leaning into your imagination and contemplating the possibilities of what could be, not necessarily what is, because sometimes that's too scary for your brain. But if you ask yourself, what could my future look like? Then your brain will begin to imagine it. And your brain will begin to understand, hey, wait a minute, at the end of this process... There's something waiting for me and and I might like that. And that's called your desired future. Now, if you don't want to do that, then you go on the path of the default future. And the default future is just continuing the pattern, right? There's no change in the pattern. It stays the same. Nothing changes. It's And and I'm going to tell you, this is a future that while right now you may not, you will You'll get stuck and you will become both mentally and physically stuck. You can become trapped in your home. You become stuck in the memories. Have you ever heard the phrase, oh, she's stuck in the past? That's where it comes from. Sorting through your possessions is the antidote to that because you can mentally clear your mind and you process the emotions in your physical world. You resolve the conflict in your brain between the prediction, right, and the reality. And you complete the integration process in your home. And you lean into the possibilities of a future. And that's some pretty, like, those are some pretty powerful things that will help you do the tasks of grieving. Now, 
I am not telling you and I am not challenging you to purge or get rid of everything in your home. What I'm challenging you to do, and we'll talk about later, I'm challenging you to be a treasure hunter. I want you to find the very best that was your husband or wife or partner. And I want you to find ways to honor them and to bring them with you into your future. But guess what? You don't have to bring every possession with you. You don't need all of the things. You need the things that represented the best of them. There's no grief police coming to get you in this process. There is just you doing the best you can in difficult circumstances. And every single one of you gets to decide what is right for you. There are no hard and fast rules. But the first step in deciding that is going to be to expose that elephant in the room, which is the question, why am I so overwhelmed? What is holding me back from doing this project? And when you can answer that question, then you can get connected to whatever your desired future holds for you. It's your big why. So for example, you're going to start with this statement. I want to do this because blank. For me, I'm going to go back to the barn and the shop and the tools. I want to sell Jason's tractor because his tractor will just rot if it's not used. If a tractor isn't used, it's just going to rot. And that would be a terrible waste of his beloved tractor. And he wouldn't want that. So when I had that straight in my head, then it was okay to let go of it because I sold it to a man who was going to use it. And so Jason's tractor gets to live on. And actually I sold it to the man who farms for me. So I get to see his tractor, which makes me smile. This week, I want you to remember that you have an opportunity to honor the legacy of your loved one. But you have to be able to manage the overwhelm to to do it. So I want you to write down your thoughts about overwhelm. And I want you to look at your thoughts and I want you to ask yourself, is this thought really true? Or is this thought a story that my brain is feeding me because it's either scared or it doesn't understand the reality, right? You could, and when you can take that perspective, then you become the kind and gentle and benevolent parent. And you can say, hey, I know you're scared, but it's okay. I know you're worried that if I, if you, if I sell the tractor, I'm going to erase him, but I won't. Friends, you can do this and I am here to help. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. As always, I'm here for you and one of the ways that I do that is with my website called Navigating Widowhood, which is full of resources for those of you who are newly widowed all the way to you seasoned widows like me. It's our place where we can connect, where I can provide you with resources, and where you can explore to your heart's content 
the different aspects that you may be struggling with. Uh, And this month, I am proud to introduce that I have written a book for you and it is only available to you because guess what? We deserve it. (laughs) So head on over to Navigating Widowhood and at the top of the page, you'll see something that says, get your free ebook now. It is called From Overwhelmed to Organized. And that, my friends, is my special gift to you.